explaining the obvious. What's obvious to you isn't obvious to me, and what's obvious to me isn't obvious to you. This is the nature of life. We each, even within a common industry, have a unique set of skills and experiences that have led us to slightly, or perhaps somewhat, big differences in knowledge. And we each have our own niches, sometimes more than one niche, but we all have our niches. You know your stuff inside out. I know my stuff inside out. And even though to an industry outsider, it looks like the same stuff, it ain't the same stuff. For instance, I worked hundreds of files for BS, BFS, BS. <laughs> I worked hundreds of files for business for self clients. No acronyms, right? No acronyms. And I worked hundreds of files that had multiple properties on the file. And then, of course, that resulted in the hybrid of dozens, if not a hundred or more files, of business for self applicants who owned multiple properties. And that was always interesting, especially because they often had more than one operating company and more than one holding company thrown in the mix. So you had multiple financials for multiple properties and some of the properties were in the hold co, some were in a personal name, on and on it went. In other words, that niche got really, really deep, really deep. But I only ever worked one new to Canada file. Out of 3,000 plus applications, 1,695 funded mortgages, one new to Canada file. So you yourself may have vastly more new to Canada financing knowledge than I ever will. The programs, the variations, the nuances, the unwritten exceptions, the various hybrids when new to Canada crosses over with another niche of some kind. Pick your niche. Or perhaps your niche is commercial, construction, rent to own. As we know, the list is a very, very long one, and we each know things within our niches that other people do not. And while we have, you know, WhatsApp chat groups, Facebook groups, Monday mastermind sessions, among other things, and we can tap where we can tap into niche experts to assist us, what we all have for the most part is a common foundational language, right? We all have the basics, we all speak brokering, and that's important. And we speak it so often that we often slip into a mindset where we assume, one of the worst words in the English language, we assume several other parties involved in the process are speaking our language as well. The unfortunate part is that these properties don't stop to ask us what we mean when they don't understand us. They nod and smile, not wanting to appear like they don't know something that we pretty much are thinking they know. Lawyers don't necessarily all know what remaining economic life is. Few realtors would necessarily know what this is either. In fact, not all mortgage brokers know what remaining economic life is. Although certainly every appraiser does, well, asterisks. No, probably no asterisks. I'd say appraisers are the best educated in their niche appraisals as anyone in the industry. Appraisers go through some very, very high standards of training. Few among us in the process understand the nuances of property transfer taxes, foreign buyers taxes and basic property tax math, as well as the lawyers do, because they explain it all day long, over and over and over, often to people who purchased up to six months earlier and despite all that time passing, we're never looped in to the nuances of these different taxes by the other professionals in the equation. There are communication breakdowns left and right through the, throughout the mortgage process. As various experts in the process all assume that the other is speaking the same language. Not every file, not every time, but far too many cases. Uh, in far too many cases, the client is left wondering how the collective experts are not all on the same page. You know, it's as simple as the lawyer asking the client for the void check and the, the 
the client is like, what, what do you mean? Like I sent the void check to my broker. How did they not send it to you? Well, that's because the lawyers don't ask brokers for the void check. That's not a part of a lawyer's process. Lawyers are interacting with the client. And the brokers, in many cases, they don't even know that the lawyer is asking for the void check. Why would they be asking for it? Well, because the lenders asked them to ask for it. But the broker sent the lender the void check. That's right. But somewhere in the lender's machine, their process is so broken that they don't transfer the void check from the underwriting department over to the payments processing department. The payments processing department instead asks the instructing department to get a copy of it from the lawyer, even though they actually have a copy of it on file in their systems already. But this is the nature of the beast. I digress. I've added more words. I apologize. Down payment is another great example, right? How did the realtor list the property for $1 million even? How did that happen? Even more confusing, how did another realtor allow their high ratio buyers to write an offer for $1 million even? Like, how did that happen? Because they don't know what they don't know. The buyers maybe didn't want the realtor know, to know that they didn't have 20% down because they're selling a $1.5 million property, for instance. So surely they have leftover money for down payment, but maybe they had some other life events. And the buyers, well, they thought they could buy with 5% down again, just like they did in 2009, the last time they went through the process, because they bought a $1.2 million property at that time with 5% down. Yeah, that's a thing. Back in 2009, you could do that. We understand the down payment math. Sure, it's 5% down, up to $500,000, less a penny. Then there is the formula to work out a sliding scale that takes the minimum all the way up to 10% of a purchase price of $999,999.99. Because of course, as you all know, you add one more penny to the aforementioned purchase price and now the minimum down payment jumps from 10% to 20%. One penny costs $100,000 liquid capital. That's the way that works. And this example is an important one as it highlights the fracture between the team of professionals a client is relying upon to win the game for them. It's as if the clients have bet, it's as if they bet their life savings on a hockey game. And the team they've bet on is one composed of individual players with their individual locker rooms, their individual coaches, their individual transportation to and from the arena, the individual practice arenas, everything's individual. There's no team meetings. There's no team training. There's no team plan. They don't even know one another in most instances. There's no conversation around how to pass the puck, receive the puck, who's going to shoot, the, the concept of scoring points for an assist. What's that? What kind of half-assed hockey team would have zero communication with one another? A group of people with a common goal, right? A common goal, all rewarded only for achieving that goal. Like the compensation depends upon the team achieving the same goal, each individual achieving the same goal. And when each individual is out to achieve the same thing, and they're all working towards the same goal for the same individual, that by definition is a team. In real estate, we're just a highly dysfunctional one. The realtor picks up the puck, skates to the blue line, passes it to the broker. The broker skates around with it for a bit, running the clock out on the first period, aka offer, without taking a shot. The puck, the puck's getting fed up. Then the broker shoots the puck over to the appraiser. The appraiser takes the puck for a week or two because they're busy, measure, busy measuring the net, working out if this net is worth what this puck thinks it's worth. Then the appraiser passes the puck to the referee, aka the lender. The lender sits on the puck, 
for a week evaluating the puck, the net, the ice, market conditions, and the players themselves because this is not some familiar team. Again, it's a brand new team every game. Sometimes it's a brand new team every period. Meanwhile, the clock is run out in the second period. Second property, gone. Top of the third, the ref hands the puck back to the broker. The broker passes it to the realtor. The realtor rolls their eyes, looks for another player or two to shoot this puck to. No luck. They're running out of time. They take the shot. And the goalie, a.k.a. the lawyer, notaries, maybe they're the backup goalie, evaluates all the players and the ref, depending on the variables most of the players are not even aware of, and lets the puck in the net or stops it altogether. All of this happens with as few words exchanged between players as possible. What drama? Who wants to watch? Who wants to watch that game? Let alone who wants to be the puck in that mess? So what's the point I'm making here? What's your point, Woodhouse? I got asked that recently. I know, I know. I can ramble. Hopefully, it's entertaining. Ramble. It's that we have a lot of resources. All right, I'm actually still about 300 words from the key point here. Is that we have a lot of resources. We have access to information. We ourselves in the industry, and we have access to quality players in the game. Yet it's still a massive amount of information for us to filter, organize, retain. And it's worth noting that we get paid really quite well to understand, retain, and explain all that goes on in a real estate transaction. So thinking about this, let's think about the clients. We should think about the clients, the puck. Being knocked about by a variety of people, all barely slowing down enough to say, hi, how are you? How are you doing? Do you have any other questions about what's happening here right now? Do you have any concerns? Are you feeling okay with the way everything is going? Now, how are our clients, where, where are our clients getting their intel from? Who are they getting it from? Where are they getting it from? Is it current? Is it relevant? Because if we don't slow down and ask them those questions, they're going somewhere else to ask those questions, which is a problem. The root of all problems in the world is basically poor communication. It's not so much bad answers to questions asked, it's questions unasked. Questions unasked because it never even occurred to the person to ask the question. We know how to ask questions. We know where to go. We have an idea of who best to ask, but clients have no idea. They don't know what they don't know. They don't even know which player to ask which question when they do think of a question. The world is overloaded with information on any and every topic. And so we all look for filters, right? You need to position yourself as the client's filter for any and all questions. And you need to present them with questions they hadn't even considered to ask. That is where your blog, your vlog comes into play. The information that you put out there can also never be too simple. It can never be too basic. Things that we take for granted because we're immersed in the field are things that other experts on the team, they can't even explain. We take it for granted, but they can't explain it. The aforementioned remaining economic life. Define the word amortization, term, variable rate mortgage versus adjustable rate mortgage. Can property transfer tax be financed? What about foreign buyer tax? Can that be financed? No, no. Are there property transfer tax exemptions? Indeed, there are. And they're not exactly how you might think they would work between parents and children and who lived where and which way is it going. It's interesting. And GST, that can be financed, right? Well, yes and no, sort of. Part of it sometimes, depending a little bit on the developer, there's a lot of nuances there. 
who should have advised the client about the vacant home tax? Is it 180 days a year vacant, 181? Do work days count or is it vacation days? How does that work? Who's the authority in the transaction in the eyes of the client? Who is the authority? The sales center, the realtor, the appraiser, the lawyer, the lender, the broker? Who? I.e., your deposit. Yes, that forms part of your down payment. A lot of people lose sight of that. But does it form all of your down payment? What if there's leftover money? What if the deposit's bigger than the minimum down payment required? You mean there could be leftover money? Was the developer viewed as the authority when they said, we need 20% down? Did they say down? They said as a deposit. But did the client confuse the deposit with the down payment? Was the realtor perceived by the client to be the authority when they asked for 10% of the purchase price? Is, is that the deposit? Is that the down payment? Are they the same thing? I guarantee there's professionals that don't understand the nuances in that. They don't understand how they're confusing a client when they use words like deposit and down payment interchangeably. Can I get a financing on the market value of my pre-sale that's appreciated by 50%? Yes, sort of, no, but yes. Can we use a two-year average of my 2020-2021 income as of today, November 2nd, 2021? Yeah, yeah, and no, but maybe, right? Why have you not positioned yourself as the central directory for your client? For the answers to all of these questions, even the ones that are technically not your job, my, my, my famous line, that, that one really always gets me, not my job. Whew. Can you do a better job of positioning yourself as the central authority in the eyes of your past, present, and future clients? It's not just the clients you're working with now. How about the ones you used to work with? I just got an email from a gentleman moving back from Australia. I worked with him 10 years ago. But in his mind, I'm the one with the answers for the questions regarding a property purchase he's making at the other end of the country. So he's text messaging me at about 4 a.m. because time differences being what they are. So how are you positioning yourself in the eyes of your past, present, and future clients? Can you do a better job of it? Can you level that game up a notch? And if so, why aren't you? What's holding you back? How can you clear that blockage and move forward? Thank you.